Well, I'm delighted to be able to come share with you. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's only so many old people you can cope with. And the average age in there is about 55. And I like that. that was sad. <laughs> if that's the Lord, will you tell him I'm busy? I'm just, you know, I'm, you know I'll talk later. And uh, I just always like the opportunity to come and talk to the, the teenagers. Partly because it's really difficult being a teenager. Uh, and I know that I was brought up going to church, and yet in my teen, it was in my teenage years that I thought, well, you can keep that, and uh, an abandoned church, and abandoned God, and then went, went off and went completely off the rails. And, uh, uh, you know, you name it, whatever the world had to offer that most young people are interested in, you know, I went for it, and, and just really found myself in an awful lot of mess and a very long way away from God. And it wasn't until many years later that God got hold of me through an amazing circumstance, I might tell you about that later, and a, a vision and, and various things like that, that he brought me back to himself. And so I'm just aware that, that uh, these are really crucial years. And these are, these are the years when big decisions are made. You know, in the next 10 years, your, your life in many respects is mapped out. You, you decide what GCSEs you take. You, most of you, I think, have already decided those. Then your A-level options, then your university options, and then your career is set up for life. And within 10 years, some of you have chosen the person you're going to marry, and, and, your, and your life is just sort of mapped out. But I just want to encourage you at this stage that this is also the time to make the decision to say, I'm really going to go for God. And uh, there's nothing like it. When I came back to him, I thought, what a load of wasted years. Anyway, I want, I want to leave you with a verse, and then I will share this verse, and then we're just going to open up for questions. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a priest in Oxford. I teach theology there. used to be university chaplain. I've been in the army. I've been a butcher. I've been a... Str- I've, you know, all sorts of things. You can ask me anything you want. If you haven't got anything to ask me, I'll beat the best one here at pool, and then I'm going to go home to my kids, Okay. <laughs> I'll beat you at pool. I, I ran a pool club once. That was another job I did. Right, here we go. Hey, muscles. I'll play you too. Here we go. Now, this is an amazing verse here, right? Paul, and uh, for those who can remember, it's in the letter to Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 10. Can you remember that? Ephesians 2, verse 10. Where is it? Ephesians 2, verse 10. Brilliant. Okay, we've got it. And this, this is the verse, it says this, We are God's workmanship, created in Jesus to do good works. Okay? We are God's workmanship, created in Jesus to do good works. Now the first word there, we are God's workmanship. The word workmanship, the Greek that the, the New Testament was originally written in, that was the original language, says we are God's poema. What does that word sound like, poema? Poet, poem, anyway, poem was the answer, I know it's a Saturday afternoon, good man, I like that, and a skateboard, I bought my first skateboard in 1976, now, my last one, I bought bought them for both my sons, but they're not interested sadly, poem, we are God's poem, we are God's poem, created in Jesus to do poems. 
And the word poem that we use doesn't just mean the sort of poem that, you know, sort of little ditty that you learn at school. But the word poem literally means, in the original language, a masterpiece. We are God's masterpieces created through Christ to make a masterpiece. Okay? You are a masterpiece and God has created you to do an amazing masterpiece. Now, when you're your age, and I say this as an old, wise man with a bit of white, often you cannot feel much of a masterpiece. Often at your age, you look at other people and you compare your sin to others and you think, you know, if, if I'm a lad, I'm not as strong or I'm not as clever or I'm not as good looking or I'm not as this. And the girls can often think the same. Oh, I haven't got this and my background isn't that. And, I, and you, can spend, you can spend an awful lot of years at your age comparing yourself to others and coming off not very good. I'm not as thin or I'm not as fat or I'm not as ugly or I'm not as, you know, whatever it is. Not that many people go and say I'm not as ugly, but you know what I mean. I was just seeing if you were awake. But you spend a lot of time comparing yourself to others and losing. You rarely compare yourself to people who aren't as good, you know, as you were a certain thing. You always compare yourself to someone who you think is better than you. And then you beat yourself up. And we can be really hard on ourselves and sort of down on ourselves and spend a lot of time worrying unnecessarily about ourselves, feeling bad. Why aren't I like this? Why haven't I got that? Why haven't I got what they've got and look like them? And but the Bible says you are God's <coughs> poema. You are a masterpiece. He made you exactly as you are. The Bible says you were knit together in the mother's womb. You are perfectly made. He thinks you are absolutely amazing. He made you just as you are. You are awesome. You are a masterpiece. You can watch telly or look at other kids at school or read magazines and beat yourself up by comparison. Or you can actually look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm amazing. You ought to try that sometime. In fact, I've often said to students who come to me really upset, I've said, Write paint on your mirror each more. I'm amazing. I'm God's poem. Most of us don't feel like that. And that's often because we're quite a long way away from the Lord. The nearer we get to God, the, near, the more time we spend with Christ, the more we pray, the more we listen, the more we walk with him, just where we're at and talk to him, the more he'll just tell us just how amazing he thinks we are. You are God's masterpiece. We're his workmanship. What verse is this? Ephesians 2.10. Not only are you a masterpiece, but he's got a masterwork for you. God has got something for you to do in this life. You're not an accident. You know, there are those who will say that this world is just some random accident and life is just a random accident in this cosmos and that really we're just the product of slime that grew legs and crawled out of a pond and I, I know a few people like that you know it does if the cat fits but, but even if that was the mechanism for, for how God made you that's not who you are 
That's not what you're about. He made you amazing and he made you for something amazing. God has got a plan for your life. The devil's got a plan for your life and your parents have got a plan. <laughs> listen to your parents. Don't listen to the devil and try and find out what God's got to say. He made you for a purpose. He made you amazing and he made you for a purpose. You are his workmanship created for a good work. Spend time with him. Each day, just try to clock in. You know, when you're cycling to school or on the bus or five minutes before you go down for breakfast you know, in the morning, just carve out time to talk to him. The closer you come to him, the more you'll be able to hear from him. And then you'll hear the plan that he's got for your life, that you can find and fulfill it. If you want your life to be fulfilled, really fulfilled, then you need to fill your life with God. I spent years messing around, trying all kinds of things, and came to nothing. And then when, when I was about 20, I got hold of God. I'd had six years without him, and they were a rough old six years. Turned my life around. He taught me this. I was made beautiful. I know some of you find that hard to believe, I mean. But I'm made for something beautiful. Okay, those are just the two things. That's the verse, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do an amazing work. You need to know that God thinks you are amazing. And you need to know that God has got something amazing for you to do. Sabah? Good. Okay, we've got ten minutes or so. We've got questions. You can ask me any question you like. I don't promise to answer it. Anyone want to... Ask anything about anything, me, God, live in Oxford, anything bugging you, any religious question, anything to do with sartorial elegance. I like the t-shirt, you get the first question. Um, it says something about some unforgivable sin to do with denying the Holy Spirit. Excellent question. Doesn't that mean that Jesus died for all of our sins? Does that mean that it's not such a... Does that mean it's a part of truth? Well, that sounds like a very clever question. That's too clever for me. But I can tell you that there is a lot of debate over what it means. I believe that the unforgivable sin, which Jesus says is blasphemy against the Spirit, is ultimately, and in the context of that passage, ultimately to reject Christ. The only sin that can't be forgiven is the sin of not wanting to be forgiven by God. God can't forgive you if you don't want to be forgiven. And so the context of that is where the, where the Pharisees rejected Jesus and actually said, Jesus, you're the devil. And Jesus said, dude, you are in danger of serious trouble. Because they were rejecting Christ. They were saying that the power of Christ was really evil. And, 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 and therefore they were cutting themselves off from the only one who can forgive them. So I've, I've met people in my life who get very worried that they've committed the unforgivable sin. They think, what's the unforgivable sin? Oh, it's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Oh, I've just done it. Oh, no, I must have committed the unforgivable sin. You know, And that's just their mind doing overtime. The only sin that can't be forgiven is this person who says, I don't want to be forgiven by God. It's the person who rejects Jesus. 
every other sin. And you're young, you haven't committed many, but you've got a lifetime yet. Every sin can be forgiven. I know murderers who are now Christians. I know people who've committed the most heinous crimes and been in prison for it who are Christians. There is nothing that cannot be forgiven. Nothing said, nothing done that God can't forgive. But come judgment day, you're not getting in if you don't know him in this life. It's a very good question. I'm not sure if you had more in the question than I answered, but thanks very much, and that's an awesome shirt. <laughs>